Hello, this is today's bot. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is for our podcast listeners, and it's designed to get us into God's Word for a few minutes each day, every day, about 12 or 13 or so, and in that way, keep us focused on our relationship with God, on our souls, on our spiritual life. It also helps us to have a better outlook and mindset to be able to deal with whatever the day might throw at us. And these days really throw a lot at us, don't they? But you know, since faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, being in God's word every day, even for a little bit, helps us to stay strong in our faith and even grow stronger in our faith. Now, as I always do, I want to encourage you, help some people in your life. You know people probably within your own family, in fact, who need to make some changes in the way that they think, in the perspective that they have upon life and their lives, they need to start thinking about their relationship with God. They need to start thinking about their spiritual well-being or lack thereof. So help them by sharing these short studies with them. You can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe some other technological means. But share share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around for the better. You may even help somebody get to heaven. Now, that'll be a great blessing for them, obviously, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make up your mind. Make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to continue our line of thinking and study talking about it's a matter of the heart. So we've asked the question, why do people act the way they do? Why do people talk the way they do? Why do people live the kind of lifestyle that they live? Take the direction they take in life. Well, each one of us needs to ask ourselves that, but then we need to reflect also upon what we see in other people around us. And in every case, the answer ultimately comes down to, it's a matter of the heart. What's in our heart? Not that physical organ, I keep emphasizing that, that pumps blood through our circulatory system and our physical bodies, but we're talking about our mindset, our emotions, our spiritual being, And maybe the most comprehensive single term that can get across the idea and the understanding of it being a matter of the heart, what's in our heart, is the term conscience. Conscience. We, as human beings, have a conscience. And in that way, we are unique from everything else that lives upon the face of this earth. We have a conscience because God created us in his image. Being created in his image, we have a spiritual being within our physical being. We have a soul. And that is what our conscience is all about. So, conscience. Now, we've talked about the fact that that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. First, he said, you have heard in the law that it is said, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders shall be in danger of the judgment. And so we say, hey, that's true. Exodus 20 and verse 13, that was one of the original Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. And that's also part of New Testament Christianity teaching. Romans 13 and verse 9, you shall not murder. 
But Jesus went on in verse 22 and he said, if we come to the point of hating somebody, being angry, and then letting that anger develop to the point of, of hatred and, and, and in our minds, violence, then we can be guilty of murder in our heart, even though we don't commit the physical act of killing a person. He also went down a little farther in that general text in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, and again, he made a very straightforward dogmatic statement about adultery. Whoever, you know, you shall not commit adultery. That's part of God's law for mankind. Well, that goes back to the original Ten Commandments again. In fact, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14, the very next verse after you shall not commit adultery in those original Ten Commandments, verse 14 says you shall not commit, or rather you shall not murder. Verse 14 says you shall not commit adultery. And again, that's part of New Testament Christian teaching as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, and so on. And we understood that Jesus identified adultery, the infidelity or the sexual sin wherein a married person commits sexual has a sexual relationship with some other person to whom he or she is not married. In other words, other than their married their marriage partner, that's adultery. That's sexual immorality. That's adultery. And so Jesus went on in verses 27 and 28 of Matthew chapter 5, after he brought out again, you shall not commit adultery, he said, but you don't have to commit adultery in the physical act to be guilty of adultery in the eyes of God. If you lust after somebody else, in your heart, in your mind, if I could have that person, I would. Boy, I'd sure love to be in a sexual relationship with him or her, but you're married already to somebody else. Jesus said you're already guilty of adultery in your heart. Already guilty. You see, again, it's a matter of the heart. Well, conscience. Conscience, again, maybe the easiest term that we can relate to as to what we're talking about of it being a matter of the heart. What is instinctive within us by our own conditioning? Conscience. And we condition our conscience. So we looked at a number of passages of scripture that talk about having a good conscience or a clear conscience. And in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, let me go back and read one of those now, just to, again, refresh our, our memory about a good conscience, acting upon living with a good conscience, and that good conscience, again, a matter of the heart, what is instilled within us as a value system, and that guides us as to our actions, as to how we live, the direction we take in life, how we behave, what we do, how we speak, and so on. In Romans 9 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So he says, I'm not just feeding you words here, telling you I'm not lying, telling you I'm, I'm telling you the truth, but I'm my conscience. I'm speaking for, with a clear conscience. My conscience bears me witness 
in the Holy Spirit that I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. Well, a pure conscience. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, and this gets a little bit deeper in the idea of having a well-conditioned conscience, a conscience that is conditioned by God's teachings, by his values that we learn through his word. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, the apostle Paul wrote this, now the purpose of the commandments is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. A good, a, a, a pure heart, a good conscience. Now, if my heart is pure, I have a good conscience. If I have a pure conscience, then my heart is going to be good. Again, the two are synonymous. They go together. They're hand in hand. We go a little bit further in chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 9. Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. A pure conscience. Now there is no way to live a spiritually corrupt life or to be involved in sinful actions and still have a pure conscience. No way. Now, we can condition our conscience to be non-active in actions that we know are sinful. But that's not a pure conscience. That's not a good heart. It's not a pure heart. Now, let me give you some examples, again, from Scripture. We turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And we look at verse 7. And here Paul wrote, However... There is not in everyone that knowledge, for some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Now Paul is dealing with a rather deep subject that was really in vogue in that first century of the church's existence, and that is that a whole lot of people who had been idol worshipers their entire life were becoming Christians. Now, as idol worshipers, they would buy meat in the marketplace that had been sacrificed to the idols that they considered to be gods. And of course, we need to understand that with a lowercase g, because they were not gods at all. They were simply images that people were thinking were gods. But they would eat that meat, they would buy it in the marketplace, and they would eat that meat, and in eating that meat that had been offered to those idols, in worship to those idols, that had a religious significance to them. And Paul says, now, for a Christian, he knows that an idol is nothing. It's just a piece of rock, or a piece of metal, or something. And, but it's nothing. It, is, it's, it has no deity. It is not, it is not uh, an, an, a true being at all. It's just an image that people have manufactured and look upon as their God, lowercase g. But he said, we know that, that it is not anything but just a piece of rock or metal or wood or whatever it's fashioned out of. And so he says, 
you go to the marketplace and you buy some meat, you don't need to worry about whether where it comes from, whether it, it came from the farmer in the field, or whether it had been offered to an idol and you don't know about that, then you just buy it as a piece of meat and you eat it, so that's fine. But if you know it was offered to an idol and you're eating that in the presence of a person who had been an, a worshiper of that idol but learned the gospel and was converted and became a Christian, being baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins, they may still have an emotional connection to eating that meat. And you're eating it in front of them knowing the background that they came out of and that they may still be struggling in letting that go. You may offend their conscience. And, and, and you may end up influencing them to go ahead and eat that meat, and in the process, their conscience is defiled because they have not yet progressed to the point where they openly, not just verbally, but they, they with all of their being, recognize that that idol was nothing. And so that meat does not have any significance in relation to any kind of spirituality. So don't force them to eat that. Don't even eat that in front of them if that would harm or defile their conscience. A very important principle that we need to understand. We need to think about and care about how other people, where they are in their lives. Now, I want us to read one more, one more verse before we close, and, and that is, um, that is, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 10. For if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat the things offered to the idols? And in that way, their conscience can be defiled, in other words. And so we have to be careful that we don't, do not take part in actions, in activities, in a way of life that could end up defiling our conscience and get it to the point where it no longer has any positive effect upon us. And we certainly do not want to influence someone else into defiling their conscience. We'll come back and look at this a little bit deeper next time. Let's pray together. Father, help us to understand the importance of conditioning our conscience according to your teachings and to live consistently with a clear conscience because we're living by the teachings of your word. Guide us in this, Father, and help us to be a good positive example along this line to everyone around us and thereby glorify you in the process. Please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.